Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Last week, we began a brand new sermon series called The Way. And if you're listening to us via podcast, I just want to say to you, thanks for joining us. And we pray that this message would help you take your next step closer to Christ. Now, last week, I talked about the master artist who has all these students who want to learn how to become artists, great artists themselves, and that the master artist always, when he realizes a student's not getting something, isn't getting the concept, this is what he will do. He'll take a faulty design and put it right here, and he will take a proper design, put it here, and have the student just look in contrast to the two so that the student, literally because of the contrast, is able to say, oh, I see it now. Your, your words were great, but they, now I, I understand what is faulty and what is right. And that's what Jesus did on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He gave us contrasts. He said, here's a design that's faulty, and here's God's design that is true. It's a true north. You can rely on it. And so all of a sudden, everybody, the religious leaders, and, and all these people who were broken, the humble, the meek, the persecuted, those who were hungry and thirsty for righteousness and justice, all of these folks, everybody said, just leave them alone, forget about them. They can't contribute. And he says, no, 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 no. That's what they said, but this is what God says. Amen. And he actually says, the ones who were broken and messed up and downtrodden they're the salt of the earth Amen. and after that he says and they're the light of the world what and that's what we're going to look at today as we get into matthew chapter 5 again but we'll start at verse 13 as we look into what i want to call light the way for week two so lord i pray that we would have Lord, eyes to see what you want us to see today, ears to hear the voice, the Spirit of God speak to us, a heart that would just beat in synergy with the Spirit of God. Lord, that you would clearly take control of what's going on in my mind right now and in my heart. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Well, I don't know about you, but, but I... I've said this before, and this was before GPS was around. I, I praise God that I had access to a phone that I could actually call my wife because no matter what, I was going to find a way to get lost. You know, that was back, there was a period of time where you would print out Google Maps. You know what I'm talking about? And I, I just, I don't know what. I, I, I get lost in a phone booth. It was horrible. I'm way better now because, you know, Siri or GPS talks to me. But it was horrible. I remember going to a football game in Iowa, and we went clear across the other side of the state, which was a couple hours. It's not that big of a state. And, and it was just really funny. And I realized, no, this, this, this looks right. That's a cornfield. That's fine. And, and that's soybeans. That's fine. Anybody know Iowa? That's all they got is soybean and, and corn. And I, it took me a long time to realize I am lost. 
Has, has anybody here ever been lost? Last night. Last night. <laughs> well, praise God, you got, it to, got to church, Frank. So the question would be is, how'd you find your way again? Did, did you pull out your GPS? Did you ask the person in the seat next to you if they were, is somebody there? Did you pull out, check it out, one of those old maps that you can never fold back again? The truth of the matter is, is, if you got lost and you got found again, you needed help and you got help. And if you don't try to go get help because you tell the wife, I got it, I'm not lost, I'm fine, I got it. The truth is, is you're pulling in to go get gas so you can ask the, the gas attendant inside where to go. But what's interesting in those times where you really need somebody to really give you really good directions. Because sometimes stuff isn't on GPS and it's not on the map. If you've ever been in some country roads, you know what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, you ask this person who, in actuality, for the most part, they're a stranger to you. But they have that, that yes face, they're friendly enough. And you ask them and, and they'll say, well, well, this is where you're at. That's usually the first thing. They don't give you directions right off the bat. They say, well, make sure you know where you're at. Why? Because when you're lost, you need to know where you're at so you can get to where you get to go. The directions mean nothing if you don't know where you're at. And so all of a sudden, they tell you where you're at. And then they say things like, so this is what you got to do. You got to go down Main Street, past the one single red light, because that's all we got in this little town. And you go about, oh, maybe about a mile and a half. Go north, because they always speak in north, south, east, and west directions, right? In the country. You go, what? Make a right, buddy. So you make a right, and you go down about another mile. You're going to pass the Smith's home. You'll know it's the Smith's, because there's going to be an old pickup truck up on Jack's right there. And there'll be some, some weeds that'll be growing through the front seat. That's when you know that's the Smith's house. Now, keep going. And then when you come to the little bridge, right before the bridge, there's going to be a turn on the left. Go ahead and make that. And then you go about another mile and a half. And it's going to be on the left side, and there you'll have it. How will you know? Oh, there's a big white picket fence there. You'll, you'll, you'll find it. Now, if you keep going and you find the dandelion field, you've gone too far. You've got to flip back around and go back because you passed it up. Now, we laugh at that kind of directions. But the truth is, is you know something. You know that that person has been on the road you need to go. They have accuracy and detail that literally testifies to their understanding of how to get from here to get to there. And that's what's going on here as we get into Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. You're finding out that Jesus is trying to tell this whole group of people who are broken and they're weak and they're messed up. They've been persecuted and they're humble and they're thirsty and hungry for righteousness. And, and, and God says, you're blessed. Yeah, how many of you ever watched that Christmas movie, The, the Misfits, remember? You guys remember that? The, the toys and all the misfits and the broken... You know, the eye was missing on one toy, and all toys are all broken and on an island, the island of misfits. Guess what? That's what this is. And the truth is, that's what you and I are. We've all been broken. We've all been persecuted, falsely accused. And God says, when you're humble and you're meek, when you're all these things, 
you're blessed. What? Sure don't feel blessed. Sure doesn't act like it's blessed in my life. He says, no, no, you're going to inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, no, no, you're, you're blessed of all blessed. Because this is the group that I'm going to talk about in verses 1 to 12. But now when I get to verse 13, I'm going to take that same group of people with me and I'm going to make them the ones who get to play the game. I'm going to let them on the field to do the good stuff. Anybody have to sit on the bench? Anybody have to sit on the sidelines ever when you were a kid? I did. It stunk. Then you're supposed to act all happy and joyful because they scored or they won. Yay! And I'm going, no. He's saying, all you broken, all you forgotten, all you left behind, you're, you're the team. You're the A team. What? Oh, yeah. Contrast. You've heard it's been said, but I say to you. You catching this? So in our passage today, Jesus identifies all this broken people and says, you're the lights. You're the salt. Whoa. So let's look at this in verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Then he says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. How many remember a little song? You guys remember that Sunday school song? This little light of mine. I, I'm let it shine. Oh, you guys are so good. Hide it under a bushel. That's where it comes from right here, this text. That's where that song came from. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So this list of people would have been in stark contrast to the kind of people traditionally the culture, the, the religious elite would think are valuable and valid people. And Jesus is saying, no. I'm looking at them. I'm looking at them. They're the eighteen. So what exactly is the significance of salt? And what exactly does Jesus want us to do as we follow Him today? So let's look at the salt of the earth. This expression is used to describe someone who is honest, they're hardworking and they're down to earth. Again, this would have been a shocking revelation to those listening to Jesus there on the mountain. And, and by the way, when Jesus came, you, you find it there in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, and then he sat down. Now, most of us, we would catch that and not really understand the depth of what that means. When a judge walks into a courtroom, the bailiff says, All rise. 
And then the judge sits. When the judge is done sitting, the bailiff says, all may be seated. What is happening in that little moment, legally and officially, is now court is in session. Every word that is spoken will be documented and recorded. When Jesus sat down, He literally sat down in the position of authority, then started speaking the Sermon on the Mount. It was thus saying, this has full authority. And when you get to Matthew chapter 7, the very last verse, they turned around and they all said, who is this man who speaks with authority unlike the scribes? He's doing something they've never seen before. Isn't that amazing? So here we are. He says, you're the salt of the word and implies that this is a person who's dependable, they're reliable, they're trustworthy, and they bring a, a sense of stability and integrity to all the people around them. In short, this passage can be understood as Jesus saying that His followers, you have a special role to play. And they must be careful to maintain your integrity. That you must be effective for the kingdom. That what you do in the secret really matters. Why? Because your witness isn't a whisper. Your witness of how you live day in and day out, your grumbling, your complaining, all those things speak about your testimony of the King, King Jesus. So to someone called the salt of the earth is to express a, a deep respect. So here's some truth about how salt was viewed in ancient times. It was used as a preservative. It would take away the moisture out of the meat or out of the fish, causing that, that meat or that fish to be able to be good for a much longer period of time. It was a seasoning. Many ancient recipes mandated salt for it to be a good meal. It was used for medicinal reasons. You know, have you ever had the situation when you had a sore throat? And grandma's old recipe, and I use it to this day, get a little bit of water, throw in a bunch of salt, swirl it all, and gargle with the salt water. Man, it takes away that pain, like instantly. That's an ancient concept for medicinal use. Also, the salt is used on, on skin ailments. So this salt, is, it's pretty valuable stuff. It also was used in religious and cultural, uh, it had cultural significance. And the Jews actually had this, this ceremony called the Covenant of Salt. It was part of their rituals. Salt was used for trade. They could go from long distances and they would trade with salt because they wouldn't spoil on the long trip to get from one continent to another. So with all of this in mind, all those, the preservative, the seasoning, the medicinal, the religious reasons, the trade, all of that in mind, and God says, you are the salt of the earth. Wait a minute. This was shocking to everybody listening. Wait a minute. I've been broken. I've lost everything financially. I've lost my reputation. I, I've been persecuted. And he's saying, oh my goodness, you're the salt of the world. You're the salt of the earth. 
Can you imagine the dumbfounded looks they must have been giving Jesus? What are you saying? I'm not one of those priests in that really cool-looking getup. I don't have those gems and jewels on my chest. I'm a nobody. And not Jesus. He says, oh man, you're so precious. You have a story I can't wait for you to share. Wow. Then he he decides to to go from the salt of the earth. Now he's going to go into the light. The light of the world. So in verse 14... It says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. So Jesus, switching from salt of the world to light of the world, Jesus is saying to his disciples, and by extension, to you and to me, who are all believers, that we have a responsibility to spread the good news. We have a responsibility to spread the good news. Why? Because we're supposed to be preservatives. We're supposed to be seasoning. We're supposed to be medicinal. We're supposed to have that religious, spiritual flair to it. We're supposed to be able to have an impact and influence because of our story to impact others. We all have a story. I don't want to go through mine, but you all know my story. I've been adopted. I've been hurt. I've been wounded. You guys know that. And guess what? There's somebody who can be ministered because they look at somebody and go, you went through all that? I relate to you. And here's the good news. And somebody can relate to you because of your story. Oh, it doesn't identify you. I'll never forget when that person told me one time, Marvin, failure is an event. It's not a person, so stop acting like it's you. You hear that? God wants to use your story, Peter. I know you deny me three times. So feed my sheep. See that? He thinks you're perfect for the job. Now, the metaphor of light, well, it brings a sense of illumination, which brings clarity to the way we're supposed to go. Have you ever been in a dark room? I remember one time I was in Arkansas, went in one of these big caves, and we must have been at least a mile in, and there's no light source. And so the group I was with, they had us all sit down wherever we could. And they said, please grab your hand and and literally cover with the palm all of your watches and everything else. And once everybody was ready, they turned off the big flashlights. And I, I literally put my hand like this, touching my nose and could not see anything. I've never been in that thick of darkness ever. And I tell you, had they said, okay, find your way out, I would have moved it was too dark. I couldn't remember which way was right or left. I couldn't remember anything. You see, that's what darkness does to you. When depression comes on, when anger and bitterness comes on, when the things that are really just attacking and destroying who you really are, it brings in a darkness and you can't see straight. And so it's really hard to move in the light when there is no light. 
But Jesus says, because of your brokenness, be taken advantage of and all these ugly things. God says, watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you the light of the world. And because of what's gone on in your life, God says, watch what I'm going to do so others can see and follow you as you follow Christ. And before you know it, they're going to be connecting to Christ because of your story. Your story could actually bring somebody to Christ that you love. What? That's why this is the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. So Jesus is asking His followers, His disciples, those who believe in Him, to actually become guides for other people. Those who are actually in darkness, who need some light to see where to go. In a culture where, where only religious elites, and this is Bible times, where the religious elites, they were the only ones who were expected to advance the gospel. Everybody else was supposed to just sit there and play stupid. Okay? You're not allowed to think. You're not allowed to read the Bible. You know, the Pentateuch and the scrolls, you weren't allowed to sit there and touch them. You weren't allowed to participate in any of that stuff. And what do we have now? We have a pastor telling you, get a life journal. Open this up. Read this thing every single day. Do so. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. And before you know it, God is going to speak to you and you're going to go, I know what that means. He's going to speak to you direct. And before you know it, you're sharing what you're learning with somebody you know and care and love. Amazing. Before this, this group, this broken group, they were, told, they were told they needed to stay out. Stay out of places of contribution to society. Stay out. Stay be out of mind. We don't, we don't want to see you or we don't need you. You are not significant. You have no purpose, no significance. You don't matter. But Jesus turns around and compares this group, the broken ones, the misfits, and He says, um, you're like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Have you ever seen those pictures? Watch any of those documentaries and there's a big castle, a big city on top of a hill. And at night when all the torches are on, when all the lights are on, no matter where you're at in the big valley, no matter where you're at, that thing stands out. Kind of like this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And he says, that's you. You're going to shine. You're going to stand out. Why? Because when you walk for God and you refuse when you're at work to laugh at that joke, that sexual joke that demeans women, you go... That's not funny. You, you, you don't play with those, those memes on, 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 the, on your email. You, you just go, I don't want any part of that. When you refuse to cuss, when you refuse to do the things that the world does and you just don't participate, you're not making a, an ugly stance. You losers, you're like this, you're like that, you're going to hell. No, no. Come here, let me slap you because you, you need a slap. Will you just stand up for righteousness, not to mock anybody, but to say, I can't let that in my life. That's like bringing poison into me. I can't have that. Yeah, you, you, you want to go get a hamburger, though? 
I still want to be your friend. I'll buy something. You see the difference? Maybe be a guide. Maybe be a light that allows people to see something they couldn't see before. So Jesus is telling his disciples, I want you to be visible. I want you to be present in the world. And I don't want you to hide your faith anymore. But to let it shine, to let it shine, to let it shine. Now the Apostle Paul picks up on this whole thing that Jesus is talking about. And he says here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. Now, Paul was not a part of Jesus and his, his apostles. He was the one trying to kill all the Christians, remember? So all of a sudden, all these years later, Paul comes on the picture and he's, he says this. Verse 4, do everything without complaining and arguing. Okay, that alone, we could just, if we just did that, we could go home right now. Can anybody go a whole week without complaining and arguing? Anybody? Yeah. So that one can criticize you. Wait a minute. So do everything without complaining and arguing so no one can criticize you, Marvin. Wow. Live clean. Innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. What's he saying? Be in the world, just don't be of it. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day Christ returns, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. In other words, all that I did in ministry with you and for you, it was worth it. What's he saying? He's saying, cling to Jesus, shine the light of the gospel, for you are the salt of the earth. This is what Paul, he's saying the same thing as Jesus. Folks, we're to light the way for others. Have you ever been to that church where they just believed it was the pastor's job to share the good news? And it was everybody else's job to volunteer on Sunday mornings and sit in a, sit in a pew, sit in a chair, and give you throwing some money in that bucket and uh, see you next week. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Every one of you is a minister. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there's no such thing as vacation or retirement. Who wants to sign up? Me. It's the best stuff there is. By the way, do you ever get a vacation in retirement from being married? And you still got married? Right? So here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. Where can you shine this week? Where can you encourage others the gospel? Where can you love others like Jesus has loved? These are the questions that followers of Jesus keep in mind as, as we walk through life. You see, when, when you're a real believer of the Father, when you really believe in the cross and the resurrection, you're always looking for an opportunity to just 
sneak one in. Hey, God bless. We'll talk to you soon. Do they go to your church? No. Well, why'd you say that? Because it was an opportunity. I saw something in their eye. I think they needed, oh man, I got a headache. They're doing your groceries. Oh, you okay? No, I got this real bad headache. I'm going to pray for you. What? I'm praying for you right now. You see how that works? See, when, when you are the salt of the earth, when you are the light of the world, all of a sudden you are constantly looking for opportunities to share the gospel without being ugly about it and without being weird. How many of you know the Christian weirdos and pray they never come to your church? Why do I say it that way? Because they go to every church. And once they're done with this church, because finally a pastor confronts them, they just go to the next church. And then that, somebody confronts them. And the, and the elder confronts them. And they'll go to the next church, the next church. Why? Because the truth is there's nothing but wolves in sheep's clothing. Don't be, don't be weird. Don't be weird. You, you just turn people away. Yeah. Same thing with politics, right? Don't be weird. Be careful. And listen, as you begin to do this and begin to share the gospel when God gives you, and you just say, I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to do this. If Jesus can go to the cross, I'm going to do this. There will be times where you will feel discouraged. You will feel frustrated. You will want to say, this isn't worth it. I'm giving up. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to tithe. I'm not going to be a part of this of the prayer thing. I'm not going to go here. I'm not going to, I'm, and you're wanting to just push away. You have a horrible case of the normals. Get it. But I want you to remember something. Jesus says, I'll never leave you. He says, I will never forsake you. And he's saying that I'm right here next to the Father. And I'm interceding for you. I'm interceding for you. He's praying for you. And you can trust him. So I want us to read this passage together as we close up here. It's in Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 17. Let's all read this out loud together. Ready? Begin. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, 
you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So here we go. Here's another contrast. He says all this stuff, and he says, listen, if, if you obey and you be all this, you'd be great, but, it, but if you just are the one who teaches the rules, you're a nobody. Isn't that amazing? You're sitting there, what's going on? But here's the part I want you to catch. Now, if I was reading it out of the, NL, the NLT in verse 18, says not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until it's achieved its purpose. NIV says not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen. Here's what's going on. He is determined to fulfill his mission. In every detail imaginable, he's going to do it. You don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to be a rabbi. You don't have to be a Greek and Hebrew scholar. Jesus is calling the poor in spirit, the humble, the meek, the merciful, the hungry, the thirsty for righteousness, those who've been persecuted, those who have been, have been broken, taken advantage of and violated. And He's calling all of us. In, in all of that group, if, if you can relate to any of those things that I said, would you raise your hand? Anybody here been broken? Taken advantage of? Misused? Abused? Anybody? Lied about? Okay, so the ones who didn't raise your hand, you're, 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 the, you're, you're, ooh, you're, the, you're the violator, you're the villain? <laughs> Truth is, is we all have. Every single one of us. And my story is no more important than your story. God gave you a story and says, I want you to share it. Some of you write the story down and you put it in a book for me and you can sell it, right, Patsy? Right, Walter? Now, there's a love story. But it speaks of the Gospel, doesn't it? It's an amazing part. One of the parts of the story that I love the most is Patsy praying over Walter. And I believe Walter was in a car accident. And she was praying in the Spirit. And she's praying over Him. When she's... Were you in Japan at the time? She's in Japan. And this is happening here in this area of California. And she doesn't know. And she can't stop praying. She's praying hour after hour. And they're not even married yet. You see how that works? And she's facing a family that's neglecting her and wanting nothing to do with Patsy because she refuses to be Buddhist anymore. And her family wants nothing to do with her. They tolerate her. Look how God's using her. How God's using her story. And I'm still praying that it turns into a movie and it's going to happen few opportunities and haven't come through yet god has the perfect one jesus is saying no matter your story how horrendous your reputation was destroyed you're not sure about your future the shame that shouldn't be there God's saying, oh child, <laughs> you're the salt of the earth. <laughs> you're actually the light of the world too. Now will you receive that? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes?
Father God, we love You. Lord, as we look in this incredible Sermon on the Mount, we begin to see the contrast of, of what You're saying. That You're looking at people who the world would say are not qualified, they're not educated enough, that they don't have enough resources, they've been taken advantage of, they're broken. They're, Lord, the world would say they're, they're, they're useless. And God, You're saying they're perfect. Not only can I bring healing and wholeness, but I can bring them a hope in a future. So Lord, I pray. I pray for each and every one of us to rise up with courage. Lord, no matter what the pain of our, of our life has been like, that we could say, use it for the kingdom of God. That even if one person could hear my story, and they could find Christ, it was worth it. It would be worth it. And Lord, I sense for some people there is such a control over their life, Lord, whether it's a, a guilt, a shame, or an anger, a resentment, and lots of confusion. That God, you would bring healing to their heart. He would heal them. Give them the real belief that there is hope. Real hope for tomorrow. Even today. If you're here because maybe you've been broken and you want to believe God can see me and use me as the salt of the earth is the light. I just need God to touch me because it hurts really bad right now. If that's you, would you look up, raise your hand, and I just want to pray for you right where you're at. Praise God. Amen. 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 Father, I just pray for each and every person, as they, as they receive this right now, that You would touch them with Your mighty, powerful love and grace. That they would feel and sense the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Wash them clean. Wash them white as snow. Lord, the Father of lies, is out to try to steal, to kill, and destroy. And He cannot have those who have responded to You because You are the way, the truth, and the life. Oh Lord, bless. Oh Lord, bless those who have raised their hands and looked up, Lord. Took courage to do that. And we pray, Your will and Your way and so be it in Jesus' holy name. Will you say with me, church? Amen. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.